notes this morning, you can be finding the book of Jonah. And if you find the book of Daniel, just keep turning a few books to your right, and you'll find, be, be careful, they're small little books, you'll find the book of Jonah. If you have the old Schofield, 944, it's a page there. But there's two different kind of people, very likely, right here this morning in this room, two different kind of people. In fact, you could say, clearly, all across the world, there are basically two different kind of people. Either they're saved or they're lost. Saved or lost. Saved, you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have received that free gift of eternal life. You know you're going to heaven or you're lost. Undone, without God, without hope, as we we're reading in the Sunday school hour in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. And in this, can you imagine, in this, without hope, we see them all over, don't we? People that have no hope. But the good news is, as I mentioned earlier, the invitation is for all. Jesus died not for a few, but he died for all. And in this story here in the book of Jonah, we know primarily it's speaking to believers because Jonah being a believer, but I want to make application to both individuals, the saved and the unsaved. And uh, so let's read in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1, and a familiar story probably for most of you, but uh, for the sake of those who may not know it as well, let's read down through uh, verse 17 of chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he uh, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it uh, to uh, go with them into, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the seas to lighten, uh, to, to, uh, lighten it uh, of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call unto thy God, if, thou, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Every one to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, By the way, uh, let me just say something about that. They, they, there's no magical here. This this was not by chance. God was in, is orchestrating all of this. He's in charge. He's, he's in control. And so that's why it came upon Jonah, because God was looking for Jonah. He was, he was uh, dealing with Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. 
Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that uh, he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Pretty bold, isn't it? Here's a man of God speaking about how he's running from God and um, when he should have been talking to them about God. But at verse 11, then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was temptuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth uh, into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us uh, innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they uh, took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and look at this, the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered his sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray together. Father, as we look into this passage, I pray that you'd help me to stay focused on what you have given me, and may I do so with your power, with, you, with clarity as well. And God, I pray that for everyone sitting in the pew, that you would fill them with spirit so they could hear, understand, and apply these truths to their life. So your will be done. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During, during World War I, there was a young man in the British Army who became very distraught. I mean, he saw the death and the blood and all the violence, and he just couldn't handle it anymore. And he said, I'm getting out of here. He deserted in the middle of the night. Took off. And a heavy fog set in. He couldn't see very well at all. He had to make his way to the coast so he could find a ship to England. And... On his way, he couldn't see. He got hopelessly lost. And he ran into a pole, and he thought, well, here's a, a road sign. Maybe it'll tell me where I'm going. And he climbed this pole, though it felt kind of strange as he climbed this pole. He got to the top of the pole, and he still read uh, the sign. And so he took a match and began to try to strike it against the pole as he hung on. And it, finally, he lit the match, and he held it up. And he was looking into the face of Jesus. It was a crucifix, an outdoor crucifix that this man had climbed and found himself looking into the face of Jesus. And so that young man felt so ashamed. Here was the one who died for him, who was willing to go to Calvary, who was willing to lay his life down and do, give his all for him. And so the next day, he found himself back in the trenches uh, fighting. But God has an amazing way of getting our attention, doesn't he? Um, have you ever made a decision in life and you felt hopelessly trapped? I, I mean, you made this decision. Maybe it was a smaller decision. Maybe it was a financial decision. And you, you made that decision, and after a few days have passed, you said, Oh, man, did I make a mistake. But I'm hopelessly trapped now. I've got this payment, I've got this debt, and I'm stuck. Or maybe it's even worse than that. You've made a decision in life to do something that you knew in your heart was wrong, and now you feel trapped. I've talked to men and women who are trapped because of alcohol and drugs, 
because of, of other sins in their life. They're addicted to it. And they feel trapped. I, I've talked to individuals that said, Preacher, you don't understand what I've done in the past. I can't get saved. God can't love me because of what I've done. Oh, but let me tell you, that's not true at all. God loves everyone. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. I don't care uh, anything about your past. If you will come and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will forgive, he will restore, he will save your soul. You feel trapped spiritually? I mean, you feel like because of the decisions you've made in the past, there's no way that you can get out of this mess. What have I done? Got a question that comes to your mind? What have I done? What have I done to my family? What have I done to my friends? What have I done to my own life? And we feel trapped. Christians, things can go, well, similar for us. We make some bad decisions. And just like Jonah, this isn't a prison like we would know a prison. He's in flesh and blood. His bars are the bones of this fish. But he's hopelessly trapped. I have never been inside the belly of a fish, obviously. But I've heard the stories of individuals that have. I remember catching a large bass, taking it home, and I was going to clean it and eat it. You've heard, some of you have heard this story before. And I cut open that fish, and there was something moving in its stomach. And I cut open the stomach, and there was a little turtle. I called him Jonah. But didn't live too long. He was in pretty bad shape because of all the acids and everything in the belly of that fish. So, yes, a fish can swallow a living thing, and it can be alive. I, I don't care what science says. I care not what uh, other uh, experts may say. The Bible says this is not a fairy tale. It's a true historical uh, event that took place. Jonah was swallowed by this great fish. Now, in the belly of that fish, can you imagine? It's not like a Pinocchio's cartoon, where they're in there and build a fire and they're, you know, they have all this room. He is just trapped in that stomach of that fish, cannot move. Can you imagine the smell? And, but he's hopelessly trapped. But there's an easy way out. We'll see that in just a moment. And maybe you're like that. You know the Lord. You died right now. You know you're good at heaven. But you've made some bad decisions in your life, and you feel like you're trapped. Can God ever forgive me for what I've done? The devil's going to lie to you and tell you, no, he can't. The devil's going to tell you, you have blown it. You have gone too far. You have crossed the line. God will write you off. That's not what the Bible says. You see, God has an amazing way of getting our attention. He, he calls us to do something. Christian, God has called you to a particular task. God doesn't just call preachers and missionaries. He calls all believers. What does God want you to do? Well, in Jonah's case, he wanted him to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no way. And, of course, he uh, went the opposite direction. But his, um, God has a plan for your lives. And when we refuse that plan, when we say, no, I'm going to go my way, well, God doesn't just say, okay, just do whatever you want. You're his child. He cares for you. And so he's going to do what he can to bring you back to the place where you ought to be. 
We talked already about the chastening hand of God. And that's exactly what we see happening here. But uh, it ended, Jonah ended up in a place he thought he'd never be. Whoever would have thought, I'll be in the of, of a fish and um, down in the deep, the depths of the sea. But uh, God will uh, persistently and patiently work in your life, Christian, to bring you back to where you should be. Maybe you haven't the Bible, you haven't been praying, maybe you haven't been real faithful to the house of God. I don't know, whatever it may be. And you've gotten a little colder towards the things of God. There's been that allurement, that pull of the world. And you began to uh, uh, look after the things of the world and desire those things. And the desires for the things of God have, have uh, become less and less. But God, will, he patiently will work with you. He hasn't stopped. Look, look God's love for you has never become less than it has from the very beginning when he sent his only begotten son to die for your sin. He loves you that much. So you may have blown it. You have may, may have done something that uh, uh, displeased the Lord, but he's never stopped loving you. He loves you no less today than he ever has. His desire for you is to come back. I heard one of the preachers say yesterday, and I've said this myself, met someone that's called me and said preacher I am so disappointed I am I have so many regrets that I gave my life to Jesus I feel awful that I've committed these days to being in the house of God to reading the Bible but to doing what God I've never not one time in in all of these years of ministry never heard that but I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard pastor I regret I knew what the Lord wanted me to do way back then. And I said, no. Oh, I regret not doing what God wanted me to do. I regret not obeying his voice. Do you think that Jonah in the belly of this had some regret? We'll see that he did most, most definitely. Uh, but this is uh, one of the lessons here taught that God is not going to just let us go. You're his child. He's going to try to bring you back to the right way. And this uh, this prison that this entrapment that Jonah finds himself in uh, is not too far away for God not to work. God can it can be there with you wherever you are. So how did Jonah become fish bait? That's a good question, right? For the unsaved, they find themselves in a situation where they're trapped, and they say, "How did I get here?" I've had people say that they want to blame God at times. I've had Christians who said. Uh, earlier in the, their life, they said, Pastor, this is something I want to do. And I advised them, no, biblically, this is what you should do. And they said, well, I, I, think, uh, I, I think it'll work out. And they did it their way. And a lot of heartache and pain. And years later, they come back and say, why did God let this happen? God had nothing to do with it. They left him completely out of decision making. Jonah, he can't blame God for being where he is. It's, it's his fault. It started with disobedience. How did he become fish bait? Because he disobeyed God. And there in verses 1 and one through 3, we see this story of what's happening here. God called Jonah to go uh, to a specific group of people in the city of Nineveh and preach to them. And, and so God wanted to extend his grace and his, 
his mercy to a lost and needy people. Brother Morris, you read that verse there in Luke 19.10, that he, uh, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's always been his mission. That's always been his mission, and it is today, and it was then. People, and like Jonah said, wait a minute, Lord. Don't you understand who these people are? The Lord knew who they were. Oh, why would they act the way they did? Because they were lost. They were without God, and the Lord had compassion on them. God wanted to see them saved. And Jonah hated them. Did you ever wonder, why did Jonah hate the Ninevites so much? The Assyrians, why did he hate them with such a deep hatred? Well, the Ninevites were a fierce, warlike people. They were indeed known for their cruelty. Just to give you a little picture here of what they were like, they were known to skin their victims alive. Alive. I can't even do that to an animal. I, feel, I couldn't imagine trying to do that to a human. And they forced their parents to watch as they would burn their children alive. Again, I can't even imagine how low could you go to actually take a child and throw them in a fire and to watch them suffer for the few minutes that they do in, that, in the flames. And then the parents having to watch them before they would kill them. So the last thing that the eyes of their parents would see was their children tormented in the flames there and dying. They were known to bury their victims all the way up to their neck. That isn't just an Indian thing. This happened way back then. They'd bury them in the sand all the way up to the United States. You talk about being trapped. So they were, Ed was exposed to all the elements, the wild animals. And oftentimes that's what happened. The wild animal would kill them. Or can you imagine, though, the slow death or the sun and the elements, no water? And these, this was the Ninevites. And uh, in fact, it was known that there were whole cities at times that would commit mass suicide because the Ninevites were coming and they did not want to be tortured as they knew would happen. And so they, they killed themselves before the Ninevites could do it. And so this was the reputation. This was the people that Jonah said, No, Lord, you don't, they don't deserve your grace. They don't deserve uh, to be saved. I, in fact, I don't really care if they die and go to hell. Those are hard words to say, but and maybe you've never mouthed them, but Christian, have you ever done anything to try to reach a lost person that's in your area of outreach, your, your circle of, of, uh, uh, of influence? Have you ever tried to reach them for Christ? Have you ever tried to give them a tract? Have you ever tried to, to mention even the name of Christ to them? I say, if we have not, that we really don't care, do we? But here in Jonah's case, he didn't. And he let it be known to the Lord that the Ninevites were a, a horrible group of people. And so when Jonah gets that call, what's he do? He says, oh, yes, sir. No, he doesn't say yes, sir. He, gets, uh, uh, he goes find a boat. He's going the opposite direction. In fact, he's trying to get as far away from God as he can. Uh, what, he, he's trying to go there to Tarshish which they say is on the west side of, west coastline of, of Spain. And uh, so it's about 2,000 miles uh, from his, uh, the opposite of, of Nineveh. He's going, he desires to go 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. Jonah found this out, but we need to be reminded. Yeah, we can run. Yeah, we can say no to God. You can't hide from God. You'll never get away from God completely at all. In fact, uh, what does David 
tell us in Psalm 139. In fact, you can read that chapter, and I encourage you to do so. But there, he says, I can't go anywhere without the Lord. He's already there. And, and I, 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 I cannot, and, and by the way, Christian, that's a great thing, is it not? That there's nowhere where we can go where God has not already been there. He's there. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Even when Jonah was leaving God, even when Jonah had forsaken God in his will, in his way, God wasn't done with him. God, God was pursuing him. And that's what God will do for you today as well. But Jonah seemed to think that he could get away from God. Maybe he was thinking, well, God's more of a local God. You know, maybe his view of God become very small. And I, if I get 2,000 miles away, then I'll be out of the reach of God. No, God is much bigger than that. There's nowhere we can go. Uh, it cannot run away and hide. It cannot happen. Uh, he, he, he has a, uh, or Jonah had a small view of God, but he had a large view of self. He said, you know what, I'm smarter than God. I know the best way here. And he decided to go on his own. He said, I, I think I know more than God. He may not have said that, but that's kind of what he was thinking uh, by doing this, this act here. And this is the very decision that he regretted. Let me talk to you, friend, if you're not saved. You ever been in a church and you heard the preaching of the word of God and you felt uncomfortable and you felt like, boy, that preacher knows me. He's, he's preaching right at me. And I, I would have to agree, I'm lost and I'm headed for hell. And, and you, but you didn't do anything about it. You got out of church and you kind of, after time, you went back and did the things that you always did. You kind of lost that uh, conviction. And then you made a decision in your life. And you had it was painful. It was, you felt definitely trapped. Again, I remind you, the good news is you don't have to stay there. I've had people tell me, Pastor, um, you don't understand. My dad was a drunkard. My dad was a drug addict. I don't have a choice. That's not true. That's another lie of the devil. You don't have to continue to be. I, I know there are some kids here that, or maybe some adults that years ago, you, you were abused. You had things happen to you that you, you're not even comfortable talking to anyone about it. Only God and you and that other individual knows about it. There's individuals here that you, you feel like you have done something that God will never really forgive you. He still loves you. you. You would agree with that, but can he really use somebody like me? That may be the questions in your mind. But I want to dispel all those questions. I don't care. You know, I do care, but my point is this. Whatever has happened in the past, God can forgive. God can help you. And even that, that other person, whatever they have done, I hope they'll have to pay for what it was a crime committed. But you do not have to follow in their steps. They may have been a parent. You feel like you're trapped, that this is the way I'm going to have to grow up and this is the way I'm going to have to be and go through all the trouble that my mom and dad or my mother live in a single-parent home, and all the trials that they're going through, I'm going to have to do. No, you don't. You're not under a curse. If you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you obey his will, you can break that curse. You can break out of that, that uh, entrapment. 
And so whatever it is, saved or unsaved, uh, God wants you to be free. You see, only God can break the chains of sin. Only God can forgive you of what you've done in the past. Only God can help you to be someone that will be honoring and pleasing to him. That will be someone that will be uh, 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 others will want to know. Only God can do that. And I encourage you to give your heart and life to God. Well, we go on here. He's had this wrong view of the Lord. Jonah forgot. I am God. I belong to him. Christian, let me remind you of that. Paul uh, wrote this in 1 Corinthians, I think it is, chapter 6, verse 19, where it says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of your own? You're bought with a price. Jesus gave his own blood for you. So don't think, Christian, well, I'll do whatever I please. No, God's not going to let you just do whatever you please. It's his. He's going to try to keep you on the right track. Now, he didn't, per he didn't make robots, right? He, he didn't program us, and we have no choice. We do have a choice. We can either choose, as a Christian, the most miserable person on earth, I believe, is a Christian who's backslidden, not right with God, and they're trapped. But it doesn't have to be that way. God can help you get out of that trap. Well, Jonah was on a downward path. We see that his disobedience led to disappointments. And that's what's going to happen, Christian. You're not going to be pleased. You're not going to look back one day and say, yo, I'm so thankful that I disobeyed God. Oh, I'm so thankful that I, I did this bad deed that uh, pulled me from my family. I lost my family. I lost uh, everybody I cared for. No, you'll look back with great regret. But uh, disobedience will always lead to disappointment. You not only disappoint God, you disappoint yourself. It doesn't have to be this way. Things went well at first for Jonah. He hits the road here. He finds a ship. Uh, it's going to the right place. By the way, that was a rare thing, too. At that time uh, of, of, the, of uh, time period here, it was a rare thing to find a ship that was that day that he was leaving. It could take six months for another ship that's going that direction. But Jonah found it. And I don't really think that, you know, Jonah was just wanting to get out of there anyway. But he, he gets on the ship. He was able to pay the fare. He was able to board the ship. He was able to lay down in the bottom of that ship and find some rest and go to sleep. He thinks he's got nothing but smooth sailing from here on out. He's, he's uh, victorious. And he's going to start a new life at a new location. He has it all planned out. But disappointments begin to, to happen here. Jonah's, as I mentioned, he's on, you can read that in the passage there in chapter 1. He's down, he's going down uh, to Joppa. He's going down into the ship. That's the way it is. When we're going away from God, it's always downhill. And we, it's a slippery slope. You make one bad decision, and then you end up having to make another one and another one, and you're just sliding down that hill. If Jonah had followed God's plan for his life, he would have been used by God in a powerful way. His road would have led him upward, not downward. Then Jonah had to pay his own expense. If he had done what God wanted him to do, God would have taken care of his needs. But he's on his own here. The captain and the crew, they soon find out that who he is and what he is, and, they, and uh, they're amazed at the condition of his heart and his life. Verses 6 through 10, I've already read those verses, but if Jonah's heart had been right with God, he would not have lost his witness uh, here with these men. 
He would have boldly proclaimed the Lord as Paul did. Remember Paul being in that ship in that, during that storm? And he gets out there on the deck of that ship and says, be not afraid. I, I've been with God. I'm paraphrasing there. But he says, fear not. And why? Because he knew God. He was with God, speaking to God, and God told him, gave him the assurance that no one would be harmed if they would obey him. Well, Jonah was not obeying. That's what led him to become uh, fish bait. Jonah ended up in a place he never imagined being. Uh, If he had stayed with God's plan, think about this. If he'd gone to Nineveh like he was told, he would experience one of the greatest revivals that history has ever known. And he ended up experiencing that, but he wouldn't have had to go through all of this that he, he did. And then nothing worked out like Jonah thought. Have you found that out? You, maybe you got away from God and you had all these big plans and, and nothing wrong with making plans. Nothing wrong. In fact, we ought to make plans. We ought to have goals. But if you leave God out, you're heading the wrong direction. We all, all have to. We always have to include God. And, and seek his will and his ways. But um, Jonah uh, found that it didn't, it didn't work out like he planned. And it isn't going to work out, Christian. If, we're, if you think you can get away from God and you can start over without God and you're angry at God or you're whatever it may be, you're back from you're enjoying the sin, oh, there's a payment. And I'm not saying, look, if you're true, you're heaven. You have that eternal life but you're going to be one miserable person. Well, uh, here, you think about God knows how to bring us to our knees. Remember Moses? Moses kept throwing up excuses, but God, I can't speak, but God, I can't do this or that. And everything uh, uh, Moses threw up here, uh, God had an answer for. And we can read that in Exodus chapter 3. But regardless of what he uh, wants you to do, my advice to you is do it. But pastor, but but God. No, just do it. Uh, we don't have to understand it all, all completely. We, we don't really have to know all the uh, answers or how it's going to all work out in the end. Just do what you know God wants you to do. And the only way you can know what God wants you to do is be a student of this book right here, the Word of God. You can't know the will of God without being in the Word of God. Paul said, let this, this Word dwell in you richly. Uh, let, let this Bible dwell in you, this truth, this word. Uh, hide the, this truth in your heart that you might not sin against God. And we can go, there's so many scriptures about the, the uh, importance of the word of God, but is God trying to get you to do something this morning? Is he calling you to a new ministry, to a deeper walk with him, to a, a, a new kind of work, whatever it may be? I, I will say this, God wants a deeper walk with all of us. Christian, none of us ought to be satisfied saying, well, boy, I've arrived now. I'm right where I'm as high as I can go with my relationship with God. No, you're not. The reason I know that is because you're still alive. Until you die or until the Lord returns, God wants you to become closer to him. God wants you to step out of that boat and walk by faith, trusting him. Well, then, so he is my advice is don't run from him, run with him. Jonah learned the hard way. But why was Jonah released? What happened? Okay, he, he gets swallowed by the fish, but not too long later on here, we read that he is released by the fish. 
What happened here? Why? Well, Jonah experienced real rehabilitation in the belly of that fish uh, because of Jonah's acknowledgement. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed. That's the thing we have to do when we're trapped, when we're not sure what else to do, pray. Uh, Unto the Lord is God out of the fish's belly. And look there at uh, verse 4. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. And then verse uh, 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came up unto thee, into uh, uh, thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Well, here from the belly of the fish, Jonah prays and he calls on the Lord. He turns his eyes and his heart God's direction once again. He's doing the right thing. There's the beginning of revival. That's where we need to be as we come to this week of meetings next Sunday. That Thank God you're not in the fish's belly, but maybe you are trapped in some way. Maybe you feel like you're trapped. Maybe you feel like your prayers are going no higher than the ceiling, that there's nothing you can do to get right with God. And, and But I, I have good news is that if you will just pray and call on him, with a repentant heart, he'll hear. And look at what happens here. Uh, God does hear him, and God answers his prayer. But uh, in verse 2, he says, uh, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he what? He heard me. Wait a minute. Jonah, you're a no account. You forsook God. You disobeyed God. You're a terrible witness for God. You weren't even a, an example to these the crew on this ship. But God heard you? Yes. God is, is listening. God is, like we talked about Wednesday night, Jeremiah, listening to the people of, this, of, of, of Israel, listening for that one word, that one outcry of repentance. He didn't hear it in that case. But here, Jeremiah has repented. Oh, how he regrets disobeying the Lord and so he prays he calls on God and he turns his eyes and his heart to God he comes back and uh, to God he praises the Lord for who he is and how he's worked in his life in verses 7 through 9 we already read that verse 8 seems to be a confession look at it again they that observe lying vanities forsake thy own mercy talking about himself and uh, so it seems to be a confession of his sins of his foolishness and because of Jonah's agreement, that's another thing that uh, uh, why he's released. He agreed with the Lord. He said, I will repay that I have vowed. He said, I'm, I'm through, God. I'm not running anymore. You called me to be a preacher, to do, to go to Nineveh to preach. And I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what you have told me to do. And then also because of his own acceptance in uh, chapter 2 of, well, Again, for the sake of time, we're not going to look at all this scripture here this morning. But the, you can read it all later on. But the Lord, you can see it. He accepted Jonah because he made things right with God. He heard his prayer. Why? Because he had a repentant heart. He was wanting to make things right with God. And so here, God delivers him. Verse 10, he renews his call. I do have to read this. Look at chapter 3. Verse 1, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the, what's that next word? 
second time. God is so patient. God is willing. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you the first time that you heard the gospel? I know we, many of, most of us here, it was multiple times we heard the gospel. We had opportunities to get saved, and we, for one reason or another, we didn't get saved at that moment. But God was patient with us. And the word came unto us again. And again, here it comes here, Jonah, second chance. And so he hears from the Lord, and, and he is uh, uh, renewed, and he's challenged here to do what he is called to do before. Arise, go unto Nineveh. God didn't have a different plan. God didn't say, well, you know, Jonah, let's negotiate here. Uh, since you don't really want to go there, I'll send you somewhere else. No, same thing. Here it is, uh, Jonah. I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Well, then um, we'll get to our close here as we look at the time. But Jonah paid a high price, didn't he, for his rebellion? Listen, friend, if you're here without Christ, I know you get a lot of advice. There's a lot of voices that are speaking in our world. And they're saying, well, you know, you can do this. If you just come to church, you'll be okay. If you just get baptized, your sins will all be washed away. Or if you do this or you do that. But the word of God is very clear. In fact, Paul in Galatians chapter 1 said, if I come to you or an angel from heaven comes and preaches a different gospel, let them be accursed. A different gospel than other than that, that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried in a tomb. He rose again the third day. Your only hope, from the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 14, Brother Morris read that in Sunday school hour, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. No man, and I'll add no woman, no child, cometh unto the Father, but by me. He's the only way. It's not church membership. It's not through the waters of baptism. The only thing that washes away our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. And I urge you to trust him. That's the only way out of your trust. That's the only way out of your mess. What have I done? Well, the Lord knows what you've done. The Lord knows the decisions that you've made, how bad they are, and he's willing to forgive and to take you from where you are. I understand the consequences of sin. The scars may still be there, but God will forgive. He can restore, and he wants to use you just as he did in the case of Jonah. And so uh, we can look at so many others. You think about Moses. Moses was a murderer. Remember, he murdered that Egyptian, but God used him, forgave him, and used him. Consider Mark. Mark quit on God. He abandoned Paul and Barnabas, and he went and left the mission trip. But God restored him and used him in a great way. Uh, look at David. Boy, he messed up, didn't he? Time and time again. And in some pretty horrible ways in our view, but uh, God still used him and used his life for his glory. Did David have to pay for his sin? Yeah, he did. He, uh, he paid a pretty high price. But then there's Peter. You remember Peter? Peter was a man, was a real man, a man's man. He was uh, like a lot of us. Speak first and then think. And Peter put his foot in his mouth too many times, didn't he? He was a good man. But, but look, Peter, he denied the Lord three times. Looked in the eyes of the Lord said, I don't even know him. And uh, boy, the, the, in fact, he thought it was over then, didn't he? He was trapped. 
He told his, his uh, uh, fellow disciples, he said, listen, I'm going fishing. Nothing else I can do. I have failed God. There's no hope for me. But God came to him specifically. Remember him asking, Peter, lovest thou me? Three times he asked that. What he's telling Peter, Peter, I love you. I haven't stopped loving you. I want to use you. And Peter, uh, by repenting, and he received forgiveness. So we, we might lose our right to hold certain offices because of our sin. We might have the scars that we live with the rest of our lives. But the good news is God will forgive and God will use us for his glory. And so let me, let me just close this this morning here. That prison, if you will, of disobedience, that's where it was. What put Jonah where he was? His disobedience to God. Maybe the reason that you're in that mess in your life right now, Christian, and you're having such a hard time, and you're just, it seems like you're miserable, it's because of disobedience. And there's only one remedy for that is confess. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, that is, if we agree with God, what I've done, don't, don't sugarcoat it, just call it like it is. Agree with God about your sin. Confess your sin. He, God, is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, it is in this prison that, you know, God, I'm sure that Jonah, now as he looked back, could thank the Lord for this time in that belly of that fish. Boy, that would have been a horrible experience. But I can't even imagine just your, you know, have you ever been in the ocean? You're wondering, boy, there's creatures right below me that could actually eat me. And then to have Boy, you ever seen those pictures close up? It's amazing. You see that big fish, the mouth wide open as it swallows that uh, smaller fish or a uh, lure, and you see those gills flared and just sucks it right in there. And there's old Jonah, sucked right into that belly, the fish of that belly of that fish. And uh, what an awful experience that must have been. Pretty scary, I would dare say. But uh, now Jonah knows God loves me. That even belly of the fish God allowed he prepared that fish for me he prepared the storm that got the attention of the crew on that ship by the way it looks like a lot of those crew members put their faith in God uh, as a result of that but nonetheless here we have Jonah remembers is reminded there in the belly of that fish that God still loves me a father had a, a, a very strong-willed son and they're driving the car he kept looking back and he said son sit down and fasten your seatbelt." And he looks back again, and there's the boy. He's up on his feet on the seat, and, and he's totally ignoring his daddy. And he says, son, sit down, buckle your seatbelt. And uh, so then his son got the remembered. You know, if I keep this up, there's going to be some harmful things that's going to happen. He sits down. He buckles in. And this is what he says, daddy, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. Boy, just a rebellious heart. Has God been calling you to do something for his glory? You've been saying, no, I don't have time, God. I, I, I don't have the ability, God, whatever it may be. Have you been taking a, a different path, maybe, going the opposite direction of what God wants you to do? Uh, wouldn't today be a great time to get right? Wouldn't today, friend, if you're lost, wouldn't today be a great time to just get out of that mess and to find forgiveness, to find Jesus Christ who loves you and wants to take you to heaven. Now, the thing about this story, it's, it's, it's you know, Jonah's heart wasn't completely right. We find um, he has 
uh, you know, here he, we find that he still uh, was angry, and uh, that after he goes to that city preaching, the whole city, the king down, they all get saved. One of the greatest revivals in history. But Jonah finds himself pouting because he doesn't want the, those people to get saved. But here's the good news. He seems like he ended with a rebellious heart, but remember, God used Jonah to write this book. Jonah's writing about himself. I, therefore, I believe Jonah got right with God thoroughly and was able to write this for us, for our benefit, so that we wouldn't have to go through a, such hardships and, and misery. We could just obey God. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed.